Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way Podcast. Welcome to another Manrolog. I have written a lot over the years, the last few years, about being centered, about being present. Yet there's still so much left to learn. I, I find myself, and I think modern society does this, combined with just the way the human mind works, frequently being off-centered. And one of the recent realizations that I've had is that when I'm off-centered, I'm trying to, my reaction to that, rather than to get centered, is to somehow change the way I feel. Uh, And we go into this mode when we're off-center of, I want to feel different, or I want to feel better, or I don't like the way I feel. But the goal, I think, I really understand now is it's not I want to feel better or different. It's I want to feel centered or I want to be centered. I think what happens when we're off-center and we don't like the way that we feel, we seek external things that change the way that we feel. They're usually organized around our identity or our sense of security or our sense of being accepted by others. So we go chase that. We chase recognition. We chase validation. Uh, Status has a lot to do with that, where we're at on some sort of hierarchy. Or what we do is we, we, we create what I'll call internal condemnation. So we go inward and we think, well, what is wrong with me? Why am I like this? Why are other people happy? Why, why do other people seem to have their shit figured out and I don't? And what happens when we're off-center is that we, we enter into kind of a distortion chamber. Um, it's what I call the dictator of the mind. You could say it's kind of the ego or the inner authoritarian. And everything is about power over the perceived reality. Everything becomes binary. Good, bad. Threat, no threat. Have, have not. And when you're operating constantly from a state of that binary thinking, all it does is leads us further away from our core self. So... I wanted to talk about that, the core self, because this is not a commonly taught concept. I learned about the core self originally from uh, Thomas More, who wrote an amazing book called Original Self. Uh, And then my therapist, Adrian, uh, who practices um, internal family systems parts therapy, she has talked extensively in our work together over the last few years about the core self. And the core self has eight characteristics. And I'll place a graphic that my dear friend Allison Crow created, who is also an awesome internal family systems coach. She created this graphic of or drawing of the, the eight C's. So things like courage, clarity, creativity, compassion, And when we're operating from there, the external world can still have all the same realities. We can still be in the same shitty conditions, you know, metaphorically and literally, the weather isn't any different if we're centered. 
It's how we perceive everything is so radically different. There's also um, an understanding of then, okay, well, how do you return to center? How do you return to core self? And if you look at it from a spiritual perspective, there's a concept or a, a framework that's been around for many hundreds of years, but was kind of reintroduced by Thomas Keating, I think in the 1960s, called the centering prayer. Now, if you're not a praying person or a person that believes in, you know, some sort of spiritual realm or being, that's totally okay. The centering prayer, even if you're not praying to a God, is still a way to organize around some core concept that's inside of you. I prefer to do centering prayers around words that come to mind. Take, for example, grace. And I just sit and I listen and I write down what comes up for me related to that word. Um, but from a more of a neuroscience perspective, I think of the work of Rick Hansen. And he, he has an amazing book um, uh, called Radical Acceptance. And this is getting to the kind of the center of the mind. Um, and the center of the mind is where we have this balance between the neocortex, you know, the human part of the brain, and then the mammalian and reptilian part of the brain, and we have some sort of sovereignty over our nervous system. And his view of getting to center mentally is radical acceptance, just the acceptance of what is, which actually coincides with what Buddha taught, which is that uh, most suffering is just wishing things were different than they are. Uh, another model for centering that is more, you know, that is one that's actually been around for thousands of years and it was really came out of the indigenous cultures is getting in your body. So breath work, movement, dance. Um, my former partner and dear friend, Lena, ha her whole idea with the body work that she does is that you get, you return to the soul through the body. So you get centered in your body. And she has um, almost miraculous results from that with her, with her clients. So however you get to center, however you get to center, that's the main job, I think, for living. Uh, I think that without getting to center, we're either going to drop down into uh, the lower realm of Maslow's hierarchy, even if it's just a perceived sense of lack, um, but mostly we're just going to hang out in the middle and we're going to try to fight for a little piece of the pie. We're going to try to fight for a little bit of recognition. We're going to try to fight for, um, a sense of stability. And we sit in this churn reacting over and over again to the thoughts and feelings that are produced by not being centered. I think that much of our society is set up for us to not be centered. Uh, I'm still very much a capitalist in the sense of like free market, free choice capitalism. But consumerism or materialism is all about consumption. It's all about feeding that sense of disconnect with stuff, with things. And... So that's a huge part we know of our modern society. Um, the second part of 
modern society is still the influence of religion. And what religion does for many people is it suppresses their ego, but that's not the same as an enlightenment or an awakening. And the same thing goes as they, they sort of domesticate their wild parts, but that's not the same as personal freedom. So religious influence, even if you're not a religious person, if you've never, if you haven't attended a, a church or mosque or synagogue and, you know, ever, ever, the influence of religion on modern society keeps us outside of ourselves. Um, it keeps us looking for a savior, a sacrificial lamb, um, someone to blame for why we feel the way we feel. And then we certainly have, if you look at it from a social justice perspective, patriarchal structures in particular, um, they put an overemphasis on linear thinking, production, um, results, output. And if you're constantly in an output mode, if you're constantly in a production mode, you're going to be off-center. The last part of this that really strikes me is that centering, being centered is free. And it's something I've thought about for a long time. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely you should give. And so I don't think we should pay anyone to help us get centered. I think that we can have guides, coaches, therapists, um, mystics that kind of guide us back to ourselves, that point back to ourselves. But we don't, we don't get back to ourselves by paying someone else to do it. Partially is that we contain the wisdom of what to do within us already. Now, if you're dealing with depression or anxiety or a shitty situation, you know, trying to remember it through self-worth affirmations is probably not going to work. But what we can do is remember what we have control over. And I wrote a little bit about this in my most recent essay called Wearing Moccasins, about living intuitively. But thinking about our breath and our really our, our sensorial elements. So if all we did is we controlled our breathing and was aware of our breathing for, let's just say, two minutes. And then we spent two minutes listening to our body. What are we feeling in our body? And then two minutes uh, observing uh, sensorial input, you know, t- uh, feel, feel, touch, sight, sound, etc. And then two minutes on listening honestly to the feelings that we're having. And what I realize, and you may as well, if you do this work or if you start to practice some of the things of being centered is that if I look, listen, do the breathing, do the observing or noticing, um, and then listen to what my feelings are trying to tell me, what they're all doing is telling me to return home to myself. It may not seem like that, that it's, it's, it's crying out for validation or it's, or it's, or it's worried about, you know, finances or, or you know, some self-esteem issue or, or whatever. It doesn't seem like that. But if we understand that really any feeling that we're having when we're off center is an invitation to return to center, 
for me at least, it shows that there's no reason to be off-centered for any sort of extended period of time. That I can get centered and recentered as many times in the day as it requires. But that's on me. No one's going to do that for me. No one can love you so much that it returns you to center. As I said, the best thing they can do is hold up a mirror and point you back to yourself. So I hope you found that useful. That's all for today.